Woo! Thanks so much, Harrison and the band. They'll be back a little bit later, but in the meantime, you can, um, you can sit back, take a seat. Listen to that rain on the tin roof. Rain on a tin roof, there's something about it. Hey, <coughs> the ambiance. Yeah, that's a great word, Harry. Hey, uh, we're so glad to have you here tonight. And, uh, and as we launch this brand new series, Naked and Afraid, and I am fully clothed, um, I wonder if you can think of a time in your life, and, and maybe you felt a time in your life when this has occurred, but you just haven't been able to put language around it. And so maybe what I'm about to share is the first time that you've kind of been able to put language around this, this thing that we're going to talk about. But all of us, I think, at some point have met someone in our lives who is transparent, but who is not vulnerable. Or, or you've met someone um, who you've, you've had a relationship with, and you know they're transparent, but that does not equal the fact that they're vulnerable. Uh, chances are uh, you would know someone like this, or maybe you've interacted with someone like this, if you hung out with them for a period of time, maybe you spend an afternoon with them in the office, or you were hanging out with them at school, or maybe you were even on a date, if you were that unfortunate to be on a date with someone like this, and you were on a date with them, and, uh, and you left that time, and you left that conversation, you were in the car, driving home, uh, you were coming back from that appointment, or you were walking down to your room, and you're just sitting there, and you think to yourself, like, what did I actually learn about this person? Like, what, what, what did I... What did I discover that I could not have discovered on Facebook? What it, what it, like, I, I know their age, I know, like, what, uh, what, where they were born, like, I know what they, what kind of coffee they like, but I don't really know too much about them, and it's this whole idea that, that in that moment, they were transparent, but they were not vulnerable, and so over the course of the next four weeks, actually, we're going to talk about this idea. We're going to talk about this throughout this series, this idea of naked and afraid. What is the path to vulnerability? What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and how do we go about that in our culture? Because there are so many people uh, who, are, who know what transparency looks like, but they don't know what vulnerability looks like. And I'm throwing some words around um, transparency, vulnerability, and I feel like at the start of a series, um, if you're going to use words like that, we should take some time to define them, right? Because this is, this is one of those words where everyone kind of has a picture in their mind of it, uh, but not everyone necessarily has a definition of it. And, um, and it would be interesting, I think, to kind of go around and almost figure out what, how does everyone in this room define transparency? Now, we're not going to do that tonight, obviously. But just imagine for a couple of seconds, if you had to define that word, if you had to think about what, what does transparency mean, how would, how would you go about defining it? Because throughout this series, the, the kind of the definition or the, the way of looking at it that we're going to use is this, that Transparency is allowing someone to look or see or peer into your life. If you, wanna, if you want a really practical example of transparency, think Instagram stories, right? Instagram stories give you a perfect way to look or peer or view into someone else's life, right? You can see what someone had for breakfast, who they're at coffee with, how much they're hustling, all that sort of stuff. Um, and more than this, you can look into and you can peer into the lives of the celebrities that you look up to, the sports stars that you admire, those uh, people who are just Instagram models for being Instagram models, I don't know. Like if Instagram left, would they still be a model? I don't know. But you can peer into their lives and look into and get a glimpse into their lives. That's what transparency is. But if that's transparency, what's vulnerability? Is there a difference? What's the difference between the two? And, and I, for this series, I, I want to use this way to, to talk about and kind of uh, put handles on this whole idea of vulnerability. Because it's simply this. Allowing someone to look into your life in such a way that it puts you at risk. 
Not in like a dangerous sense, not in like a you're going to get hurt sense, but it puts you at risk. And the reason that vulnerability puts you at risk is because you can't control it. In transparency, when you're being transparent, you can control that, right? We've all seen that one person in the cafe who stands on the chair to like get up above the table to get the, the perfect photo of what they're eating to post it to Instagram. Okay, when you allow people to look into your life, you always kind of give them a filtered version and you control the way they see into your life. But when it comes to vulnerability, we lose control. Because we lose control over the way that, that maybe that friend will respond, maybe how our boyfriend or girlfriend will feel about it. We lose control even when it comes to vulnerability, whether people still want to choose to remain to be our friends. When we get really, really honest and when we share something with them. And it's this idea of, um, of vulnerability. How do we do that that we're going to talk about? And so many people, right, so many of us have kind of traded vulnerability for transparency. And it's not even really that we've traded vulnerability for transparency. It's just that we don't know really how to be vulnerable. And so, so many of us, we just stay in this kind of transparency mode and we just kind of, I'll let look people look in. I'll give them the image I want. I'll let them see what I want them to see into my life. And the downside of that is, is this, that an inability to lead into the discomfort of vulnerability because leaning into vulnerability is not always easy, it's not always fun, in fact, most of the time it's uncomfortable. But an inability to lean into the discomfort of vulnerability will limit you from experiencing, and this is important, the fullness of life. And the reason it will limit you from experiencing the fullness of life is because the people you're in relationships with, and the people you're dating, and for some of you, the people you're married to, they don't know the real you. And if someone doesn't know the real you, then how can you experience the fullness of life if you want to be in a relationship with them? And here's the thing, is that when you shut down vulnerability, because I know some of you are out there right now and you're kind of crossing your arms, you're like, oh, this series, I'm just, I'm not coming back next week. But here's the reason why, because when you shut down vulnerability, you shut down opportunity. When you say, no, I'm not going to do that, I don't want to put myself at risk, what you actually shut down is the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to have better relationships, the opportunity to have stronger friendships, the opportunity to have better marriages uh, in the future or right now. When you shut down vulnerability, you shut down opportunity. And so throughout this series, um, this week we're just kind of going to get the, the ball rolling. We're going to kind of get it, get the ball rolling, start the conversation. And then in the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, first of all, how do you get vulnerable with yourself? How do you get honest? How do you get really, really honest with yourself? Then in part three, we're going to look at, like, how do you get vulnerable with God? What does it look like to kind of be vulnerable with God? And then in part four, um, you're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be a really fun week because we're going to have two special guests with us. And we're going to talk around some really practical ways uh, that you can begin to open up and be vulnerable and be safe with a chosen few people. Because I'm not asking you throughout this series to be vulnerable with everyone. That's just not smart. But how do you be vulnerable in a safe way with a small group of people? And we're going to have um, a psychiatrist up here to talk through um, that. And we're also going to have um, and talk about how do, you, um, how do you be someone that other people can feel safe opening up around? How can you be a person that when your friends come to you um, or when your boyfriend or your girlfriend shares something vulnerable with you, how do you ensure that you are a safe person that they can talk about that sort of stuff with. And um, tonight, to kind of get us, get us rolling and to kind of get this conversation started, I want to look at, I want to look at some of the enemies of vulnerability. 
What are some of the things and what are some of the things that prevent us or kind of get in the way of us being vulnerable? And I've got one of the best looking guys I could find to come out and give me a hand. You just, your good looks take down the walls of vulnerability, don't they, Riley? That was a terrible joke. We'll just put it in the mode of bad jokes. We won't go back to it. But there are some things in our life that, uh, that are just enemies of vulnerability. And, uh, and there's kind of four big enemies of vulnerability that, that kind of work their way together um, in a cycle. And I didn't come up with these. Uh, I'm not that smart. I was listening to another communicator. His name was Clay Scroggins. He's an American guy. And I heard him um, talk about these four enemies. And I was like, I'm just going to borrow that and share that with everyone here because it's so good. I want everyone to hear it. Um, and one of, the, one of the big enemies of vulnerability to get us rolling is this thing. It's fear. Because we don't want to be vulnerable because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people will think of us, whether they will judge us, what their reaction will be if we share or if we are vulnerable and we share that part of our lives. And this, this whole fear thing, it leads us down this road to perfectionism. I'm just going to write perfect. I can't even, nearly can't spell perfect. Um, so this whole idea of we, we have to sort of be perfect because we get afraid and then we say, well, well, I really need to sort of present an image to everyone else because I'm afraid that people will look at me or people will think about me differently. So then we start to, to present uh, this kind of idea in our head that we've got to look, think, act, talk a certain way. And so we kind of have this idea of perfection. And when this idea of perfection starts to, to take hold, what that causes us or leads us to do is it causes us to manage an image. Now, I've written manage an image because you're not managing your image. If you were managing your image, you'd be vulnerable. You'd, you'd take the risk. But you, the truth is, when you get into this cycle of these enemies of vulnerability, you're managing an image because it is not real. It is not true. It is just what you want others to believe to be true about you. And then the final piece of this puzzle is a hurt. Because the reason that you were afraid in the first place, the reason that you felt that you had to be perfect and maintain an image and, and, uh, is, is usually because of a hurt. Because someone said something to you, someone did something to you, someone told you something about yourself and you began to believe it. And so you said to yourself, I don't ever want to experience this again. I don't ever want to feel this way again. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with that ever again. And so you became afraid of ever having to deal with it. And then so you managed the, the whole perfect thing. You managed the image and you moved it all around because you had this image to maintain. Like right now, the biggest image I'm struggling to maintain is how frustrated I am at my terrible like cycle. I would just love it if one was there, one was there, one was there. I even practiced it that way. Like because I got this image, you know, I want it to be like, oh, well, that was so smooth and that looks so slick. It's really bugging me, um, which we might just get rid of it. Can you just do that for me? Riley, thanks, man. Um, and so we get caught in these cycles, and we have this, some of you are just not that lucky, like you can just hit the erase button when you need to, like get that off stage. But there are some enemies of vulnerability in our life, and, and I see that one of the biggest challenges for us, and one of the biggest needs for us to address this and kind of talk about this is because hiding from others begins with hiding from God. Because really what happens when we let those enemies of vulnerability take over our lives is, is we start to hide parts of ourselves from other people. And we start to say, hey, I'm only going to show you the parts that I want to show you. And this whole thing of hiding from others, it begins with hiding from God. Now, I totally um, acknowledge there are probably some of you that, uh, that in this room who are not followers of Jesus. In fact, we created this place 
for people who are not followers of Jesus or who are not sure what they believe about God or faith or spirituality. So if you're in the room, we are so glad you're here. Um, this place was created with you in mind. But even though you might not be sure if God exists, you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing, could we just like at least agree that if God does exist, that if God does exist, then, then there would probably be parts of our lives or parts of ourselves that we would want to hide from Him. And there would be parts of our lives that we would say, you know what, God, you can have these parts and this shiny Instagram part of our life, but I'm going to keep this part to myself and I'm just going to deal with it on my own. And so this whole idea of hiding from others actually begins with hiding from God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, look at a, a story uh, that comes from, uh, from the collection of documents or the library of documents that Christians have put together and put a label on, the, on top of it called the Bible. And we're going to look at one of those stories and then I'm going to give you an application this week, how you can begin your journey on the path of vulnerability. And, uh, and this particular document that we're going to look at, it's found, if you open, um, if you open the collection of documents uh, as the Bible, it's the very first one, it's the book of Genesis, which is really just a fancy name for origins. And uh, before I go any further, I feel like I just need to, like, for some people, just kind of have a timeout. We'll step out of the message and step into a sidebar, okay? So the sidebar I need to talk about is the fact that as soon as I say that word Genesis, I know, because I would be the same if I was not a follower of Jesus, the thing that I would go is, are you telling me I have to believe all the stuff that Christians believe about the creation of the world to, uh, to kind of have any value or get any value out of what you're saying tonight? No, I'm not saying that. In fact, what I would say is that chances are followers of Jesus probably believe the very same thing that you believe about science, the very same thing that you believe about the, how the world came into existence. The only wrinkle is that they would say the cause was God. That's probably it. However, I'm not saying your questions aren't important. I'm not saying that your questions don't deserve answers because they do. And if you want to talk to me or one of the team, come and grab us afterwards. What I am saying is don't let those questions distract you from this whole idea of vulnerability that we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, time in. So, um, we're going to pick up this part of the story right where God has kind of created the universe and, uh, and created everything that's in it. And he looks at it and he makes this remark. He says, this is good. Like, humble brag, there's no one else around at this point in time. Like, things are going really, really well. And, uh, and then he, and then he said, uh, creates man, the first ever man that we would now know as Adam or call Adam. And then he creates the first ever woman that we would refer to or we would call um, Eve. And uh, what happens is God says, hey, this, this area, this garden, it is yours, right? You guys do with it whatever you want to do with it. Figure out the, the, uh, what, kind of, what you want to name everything. Uh, figure out where you want to live. If you want to have multiple houses, it is yours to run the show with. He says, there's just, there's just one condition, though. The condition is there's a tree in the middle of the garden. Just don't, just don't eat that. Like, just, that's the only rule in the whole place. You can do whatever you want. There's just one rule. And um, for those of you who know the story, uh, you know that they, Adam and Eve had trouble um, following that rule. And so we're going to pick up at the point in the story right after Adam and Eve take a bite of the fruit. And this is, this is how it goes. It says, immediately the two of them did see what's really going on, saw themselves naked. See, before that point in time, Adam and Eve had never known what it was like to have an argument. Adam and Eve had this incredible connection with each other and they had this credible connection with God. There was never a time where Adam and Eve felt like they had to hide something from each other or hide something from God but after that decision, something entered the world and something changed in the way that they viewed each other 
and the way that they viewed God. And what happened as a result is they looked down and go, well, we're naked. And we didn't recognize this before, and we didn't pay attention to that before, and we didn't feel that before. And then it goes on, it says, they sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves, which is really what all of us do, right? Really what all of us do when there's a part of ourselves or a part of our lives that we don't want others to know about or we feel shame around it, we hide it. Adam and Eve did the exact same thing. And then this is what happens next. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. What I find is so fascinating and so interesting about this is that the man and his wife hid from God, but God wasn't hiding from them. God knew exactly what was going on and God was actually out walking, trying to find them. While they were hiding from God, God wasn't hiding from them. And then he goes on and he, and he writes this, he says, God called to the man, where are you? Now, let's just clarify, this is not a geographical question. This is not like God being like, I lost them. Like, there's only two of them, I lost them. This is a relational question. God is, God is saying, hey, hey, there's something that's happened. There's something that's shifted. And there's something that's changed relationally. Where are you relationally? And maybe some of you here tonight, or maybe someone here tonight needs to know that God is looking for you. That in spite of the pieces of your life that you feel you have to hide away from God, God is still looking and trying to connect with you. And the reality is, right, the reality is, don't you hope that if God is real, don't you hope that if God exists, that there is a part of God that is looking for you? Don't you really hope that there's nothing that you can do that could separate you from God? Don't you hope that God is looking for you? And then, and then it goes on. The man said, he goes, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid uh, because I was naked and I hid. I saw those pieces of my life that I didn't want anyone to see and I needed to kind of cover them up. And this is God's response. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? And it's this first question here that I think is so powerful for us. Is God essentially is asking, who told you or where did you find out that there was something wrong with you? Where did you discover or where did you kind of come to the conclusion that you had to hide from me? And maybe for some of you in the room tonight, your biggest challenge is being vulnerable and sharing part of yourself with your friends and those people closest to you, who told you that something was wrong with you? Where did you find it from? Who looked at you or spoke into you when you were a child or who made that comment to you in high school or in university? Or who was that boss that said there was something wrong with you that you felt like you couldn't share with other people? And if you did, you would be judged and they would never accept it. And then God, after this part, kind of outlines some of the consequences of, of Adam and Eve's decision. Because regardless of the decisions you make in life, there will always be consequences. And maybe some of you in the room tonight, you're living with the consequences and the fallout of some decisions that you've made relationally or financially or spiritually. And God, God um, articulates to Adam and Eve, he says, hey, there are some consequences for your decision. But then he, he, he does a little, a few paragraphs later, he does something that is just so powerful 
that we can miss and we can fly past it if we don't pay attention. This is what God does. God made leather clothing for Adam and, Adam and his wife, or Adam and Eve, and dressed them. In the midst of their shame, in the midst of them not feeling like they could be honest with God, God actually goes, hey, I want you to know that I am for you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I have your best interests at heart and, and I'll make clothes for you. I'll, I'll cover those parts of you for you because the thing was, in providing covering, God was providing safety. God's, God was saying to Adam and Eve the same thing that he's saying to us. He says, there is nothing that you can do and there is not a point that you will get to in your life where I will not provide you safety if you want it. There is nothing that can stand in the way of me coming in to bat for you and have your back if you need it. And for some of us, it's, it's really difficult to believe that. It's really difficult to believe that because of what we feel and the shame that we feel that, that God actually wants to provide safety for us. And, and I can only say and speak from my own experience that Vulnerability begins when you quit hiding from God. Vulnerability begins when you actually say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to stop hiding this part of my life from you, and I'm going to begin to be honest, I'm going to begin to be open, and I'm going to trust that even in the midst of the, how I'm feeling right now, that you have my back and you actually want what is best for me. And I, I totally understand and I acknowledge that for some of you, you have spent so many years of your life hiding parts of who you are from others and from God that a couple of minutes with me up the front here is not going to convince you to change otherwise. And that's okay, because we're just getting started with this series. Um, we'll talk about that further in the next part. But what I want to do tonight is I just want to give you two questions to think about this week. Two questions to think about in your relationship, um, whether it's with your friends or your family or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your co-workers or whatever that, what that looks like, uh, around this idea of vulnerability and this, this tension that we can feel when we get right up to the edge and we get scared and so we pull away. And the first question is this, what do I miss out on by resisting vulnerability? How did I miss there wasn't a question mark there? But that's okay. Imagine there's a question mark there, so it's actually a question, not a statement. And I want you to ask, what do I miss out on by resisting vulnerability. Maybe for some of you, the thing that you'll miss out on is looking someone in the eyes, sharing that part of you that you're so afraid of or so ashamed of and having them look back at you and saying, yeah, I've been there too. I've experienced that exact same thing and I want to let you know there's, there's light on the other end. There's hope on the other side. What do, you, what do you miss out on when you keep parts of yourself from your friends, from your boyfriend, from your girlfriend? What, what do you miss when you get right up to the edge and you say, whoop, that's too scary? What do you miss out on? And then here's the second question I want you to think about this week. What do you gain? Or what do I gain? Make it about you. What do I gain by remaining guarded? Because usually what we think to ourselves, right, is, well, if I don't share this, and I can not have to experience hurt ever again, and I can not experience fear ever again, and I don't have to manage that image and get caught in that cycle, that I'll gain something out of it, right? Well, this week, I don't want you to just feel that you'll gain something. I want you to articulate it. You know, what do you gain by remaining guarded? 
What is it? Is it that people think you have this incredible image? News alert, no one thinks you're perfect. No, you're not fooling anyone. But, but what is it that you gain? Is it you gain the fact that you don't think you'll ever be hurt? Is it the you, you fact that you think, well, if, I'm, if I never share myself, if I remain guarded, I'll never be afraid again and I'll be able to keep this all to myself? What is it? And the reason why I just want you to just carve out 10 minutes this week is simply this. Because you can only experience real love when people love the real you. For some of you, you've been walking through life and you've been thinking to yourself, I'm just going to remain guarded. I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm going to keep it all in and no one is ever going to know the real me and I'll be safe. But the truth is you can't experience real love that way because people don't know the real you. They know part of you. They know an image of you. They know the you that you pre- uh, present to the world, but they don't actually know the real you. So they're not loving you for who you are. And this is the last thing, and then I'll, I'm done. Hand back over to the band. Is, there's this author called C.S. Lewis, and, and if you've heard of the Chronicles of Narnia, he's the guy that wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. But he also wrote a whole, whole heap of other books. He's this incredibly prolific author. I want to leave you with what C.S. Lewis wrote about vulnerability. And if you're a reader, uh, he wrote this in the book that he uh, called The Four Loves. But, but this is what C.S. Lewis wrote. He says, to love anything, to love anything is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, here's how you do it. You must give it to no one, not even an animal. Sorry for all the dog and cat lovers out there. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Don't, don't expose it at all. Keep it to yourself. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But, but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. Because to love is to actually be vulnerable. There is no other way. Let's pray. Jesus, it is really difficult to talk about some of these things because it brings up feelings and it brings up emotions and it brings up memories for some of us that we've been trying to hide and we've been trying to ignore we've been trying to press down inside of ourselves for a long time. And as difficult as, as it may be for some of us, the, the truth is, if we're really, really honest, those, those parts that we hide away, we wish we could bring them to the light. We wish we could talk about them. Because we know that people don't really love the real us until they know all of us. And so, Lord, I just pray this week that people would begin to ask some of those questions that they would begin to, to say, hey, what do I miss out on by not taking that step of vulnerability? And what do I gain by being guarded? And they would learn and they would begin to discover as they journey with you and as they journey through this series that in those moments of vulnerability, you will not walk away. You will not leave them, but you will provide safety and protection. And we pray that they would discover these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.